Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Pat Donovan, joined as always by Nick Ligatino. hi And Joe Saunders. What's going on, everybody? Well, not much, but there is some news on the podcast front. Uh, for those of you joining us from the Fantrax radio feed, welcome to the show. We have become affiliated with Fantrax. And we'll be going there exclusively in two weeks. So for those of you downloading from the Fantasy World Order feed, um, you will want to get over to the Fantrax radio feed, subscribe, hit them with the review, let them know that you love the show. And for the folks from Fantrax radio, we are doing our second base preview tonight. Uh, You can see the catcher and first base preview on our old feed by going to Fantasy World Order on your podcast app. Okay, without any further ado, let's move along to actual baseball news, of which there is very little. The Dodgers, Royals, and White Sox engaged in a three-way trade. We don't need to touch on every individual player in the deal. The White Sox acquired Joaquin Soria, which is the fantasy-relevant player. Um, Do you foresee him getting saves in Chicago, and do you like him as a late sleeper in fantasy drafts? Uh, yes, he's going to get the saves. Uh, do I like him as a late sleeper? Not in particular. I'd probably, probably want to go after someone a little bit better. What are your thoughts, Nick? I mean, I, I like him. I like the K rate and, you know, any closer who could strike out, you know, nine plus, uh, case per nine I'm into, he does walk a little, a little too many guys from my liking for a closer. Uh, but you know, I like him definitely as a late flyer. Yeah, I like him as a late flyer too. I especially like him if I can pair him with somebody I think is going to get saves later in the season. Sort of get two guys late and get one complete closer out of it. Okay, on other closer news, Buck Showalter came out today and said that Brad Brock is not guaranteed the job. He mentioned Michael Givens, Darren O'Day um, as other potential candidates. I assume we're drafting Brock as the closer still, correct? Uh, yes, for now, but I am in love with Michael Givens. Yeah, so am I, and I'm stashing him. I'm, I'm drafting him or picking him up right after the draft. I agree with He's you guys. Team. I think Givens has the most talent here, but I just have a really sneaky suspicion that Darren O'Day is going to get saves in this team on this team just because Givens is still arbitration eligible and mm-hmm. O'Day is under contract and saves can get expensive. Okay, let's move to the second base preview, and we kick it off with the best second baseman in the biz, Jose Altuve, with an ADP of 2.63. After consecutive seasons with 24 homers and 30-plus steals, with averages around 340, are you okay with Altuve in the top three? Yeah, I I love the Tuve, and he's definitely worth the top three pick. Uh, Food for thought, through 923 career games, he's got 1,173 hits and a triple slash of 315, 364, Compared to Pete Rose at 1,129 hits, 303, 365, So, so far through his career, he's been statistically better than one of the greatest hitters of all time. Enough said. I have a question for you both. Um, right. So I am the Astros fan here for all you new listeners. Um, do you, are you guys worried at all that he might steal less as he gets older and more entrenched into that three spot? I am certainly I mean, concerned about that, but not this year. 
Okay. Um, I think I think we're probably about two years away from seeing the speed start to decline. And I think it's a double concern because it's not only will the speed decline and the stolen bases might start to go away, but he's also a guy that relies a lot on infield hits. So I could see the BABIP going down as well and the batting average falling. He's still going to be a stud, but he's not going to be top end fantasy producer, um, you know, for, you know, another five, six years, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Nick, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm not concerned about it this year at all. I think if the steals come down, they'll come down to, what, 25-plus? And in that case, he's still getting you 25-25 with a ridiculous average and a billion runs scored. So, yeah, I'm not worried about the speed this year, but in the future, definitely. Yeah, the the only thing I'd like to add here, just real quick, sorry, but um, the, the, the way the the way these things often work out is that the steals kind of dry up really, really quick. It's not something that like where they decrease slowly. I feel like with these players that get um get into like the three and four spot after being speedsters, tend to just kind of crash. Um, I don't know if that's objective or subjective but um i'm a little worried but not i I agree with you guys not next year okay let's move it to d gordon speaking of steals 33.67 adp about two and a half rounds later d gordon is going off the board are you surprised that gordon is the second second baseman off the board is the situation better worse or the same as last year with him now in seattle so i'm not surprised that he's the second the second second baseman off the board. Uh, I was not with this ADP when it first came out, but I definitely came around. Um, listen, through 2014, from 2014 to 2017, he stole 60 plus bases in each of those seasons. He missed times for P, uh, he missed time for PEDs in 2016, but if you pace it out, it's another 60 stolen base season. Um, over those four seasons, he has a 300 average, and I get the point that like. That you, Pat, you said the other day that steals are like saves, but I kind of disagree. They're really not like saves because there are probably like 10 reliable closers you can draft that are going to get you saves. And another 10 that you could probably draft after that will, that will get you saves, but come with flaws. Um, with, with steals and as many as he gets, there's really no one to compare him to. And if you wait, all right, so what are you going to say? Oh, I'll take a flyer. I'll, I'll take a shot on Jonathan VR, who really only turned in one full healthy season and is coming off a really down year, plagued by injuries throughout his entire career. Uh, there's really no one else that's been as consistent as D. Gordon and that could give you the steals plus the average. So it, it's definitely a pick that's based on team comp. If your first pick is somebody who doesn't hit many home runs or you took a pitcher first, then you probably want to stay away from taking Gordon. But... Otherwise, I really don't mind the pick at all. All right. Well, let me just chime in and explain my point, which was steals are like saves in, but I mean, they're, they're even, they're even less, I don't want to say they're less than saves, but they're, they're even more, um, less influential on your other statistics is, is, is what I'm trying to get at. Um, whereas a pitcher that's getting you saves can help your K's and help your whip and help your ERA, Steals are not indicative of any other particular skill, whereas a player that hits for power, like, you know, a player that hits a home run, gets you a run and an RBI and the average. And if you're playing in an OPS league or an OBP league, you get those, you get, you get the, you get the statistics there as well. 
Whereas a steel is just a steel. It's an independent event. So it doesn't have a high correlation to pretty much anything else that goes on. Now, with respect to Gordon in particular, I'm not a big fan of zero speed guys because... Zero power. Uh, oh, zero power guys. Thanks, Joe. I'm not a big fan of zero power guys because it, it just... It, it puts you at such a disadvantage in terms of what you have to make up. And Nick, you, you hit the nail right on the head. Gordon is an extreme team construction guy, but the problem is, is that you have to take him and then your flexibility is basically gone. You've got to make up that power somewhere and you've got to get it from a non-traditional source because the power is so spread at traditional power positions like first base, third base, and in the outfield. So you got to get a guy like Sanchez then. So then basically you're looking at very early picks at catcher uh, in terms of Sanchez and Gordon. And it just, <clears throat> to me, you're, you're, you want to maximize your flexibility early because you don't know how the rest of the draft is going to go. And Gordon ties you into a very specific strategy, and I don't want to do that. I have a question for you, Pat. Um, so I'm in general agreement with you, but do you think in Roto he has more value than in head-to-head? Um, I, I think so, but I, I don't think that it's an astronomical difference, and it doesn't make me feel any better about the spreads. Okay. Right. So for me, um, it's league dependent because I think in Roto, you can afford to, you can, you can afford to, to drop off on some of the other players of steals. Whereas in a head to head, right. Every week having an abundance of steals is worthless, right? Beating someone by one steal or 10 steals, it doesn't matter. But in Roto, right. There's always the potential that someone catches up or you have to catch up, it's a little bit different than in head-to-head. So I think he's got a little bit more value, but I still don't like him here. It's too early. Well, in Roto, you can also bank the steals and then trade him. That's true. Which is a very popular strategy in terms of loading up on these speed guys, banking half a season's worth of saves, and then trading trading them away once you have a big cushion to catch up in the other categories. Okay, let's move it to the third uh, second baseman, Brian Dozier, 40.38. I'm going to do some over-unders. Over-under 30 homers. Over. Over. I'm over as well. Over-under 15 steals. Um, just under. I think that's a number. I'm going just under as well. Over-under 255 average. Uh, that that's the number for me, but I, I would say slightly over in between 255, 260. Yeah, I'm with Nick. Yep, I'm, I'm as well. Okay, um, third round, both players on the board. Who do you want, Dozier or Gordon? This is completely based on team comp, but in a vacuum, I'm taking Dozier. Yeah, but how can you even say that, though, Nick? I mean, at because at if, I point- have, if I have, if I took John Carlos Stanton, I'm, I, I'm staring at D Gordon the whole way through. I want D Gordon on my team. Okay, is there another player that you would take that you would where where if you had them already you would go for Gordon? Is it uh, Stanton and Judge and that's Judge. it? Uh Stanton Judge um maybe Freddie Freeman, maybe another guy who hits for really high average, you pair like two Votto. guys like Avado. Yeah, then you could you could say I locked up, you know, I, I average I'm good right now. Then I could kind of go for a guy like Keon Broxton, Raul Mondesi, whoever I want to take the shot on later. Okay, Joe, what do you think? Uh, they're, they're, yeah, they're, it's Dozier every time. doesn't matter. Yeah, for me, it's Dozier because he's not a drain in one category. 
average, he's either going to be league average or slightly above average. OBP, OP, OPS, he's an even better asset. He's going to give you runs, RBIs, double-digit steals, 30-ish pop in terms of homers. And plus, the Twins are getting better, so the counting stats might even go up. Okay, Daniel Murphy, fourth second baseman, 57.25 ADP. Murphy is reportedly on schedule in his rehab of his knee injury. Does the injury give you any pause? Are you okay with punting steals for Murphy's other production at this price tag? No. You know what gives me pause? Daniel Murphy gives me pause. Uh, I've never really been a fan. He's super boring, super vanilla. Uh, a handful of steals to go along with 25 home runs, big whoop. He's going to give you the average. That's great. There'll be some good counting stats. It's a good team. I get it. But it's just this. It's just to me, this is a throwaway pick, and it always has been with Murphy. I have zero interest in him. I'm kind of with Nick, and something I'd like to throw out to you guys, this is on the spot. Um, who would you rather have, Daniel Murphy at 57 or Justin Turner at 76? Oof, that That's actually extremely close. I'd probably go with Justin Turner. I'd probably go with Turner as well, um, just because, as we're going to talk about tonight, second base is a little deeper. Well, yeah, and right, aside from, which is important, the counting stats, right? But aside from those, and they might be pretty close, and they vary from year to year, right? They're pretty much the same player. They're the same. I, I think Turner has a little bit more upside as far as power, but they're, they're, they are exactly the same player. I don't know that I feel like they're exactly the same player. I think Murphy is a little more productive, but I don't think the production warrants um, such a such a difference in draft value. Like I'd rather bank the extra picks or, or take another player at this point and then know I get Turner, you know, a round or two later. Um, but I really don't have much of an, as much of an issue with this as you guys do. Uh, he's gonna produce. He's gonna produce on a game by game basis. Elite counting numbers. He's going to give you an average over 300, well over 300 possibly, and he's going to hit 20 to 25 homers. Um, you know, that's good. That's a four category guy right there. So I don't have as much of an issue with this at, at all. Um, frankly, I think I'd rather have Murphy at this price than have Gordon anywhere near his price. That I agree still, though. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Okay, Nick, you have anything else to add, or can we move to John? No, Let's go. I'm done with this uh, Murphy guy. This is this is going to be a long one. That's why. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we're trying to. That's yeah. why we're trying to get to it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So fifth, John Lynn Scope, fifty-nine point nine two. Scope had a breakout season last year, and the market seems cautiously optimistic based upon this ADP. Are you buying that Scope has legitimately improved? And what is your percentage chance of a repeat of his career year in 2017? <sighs> okay. So I'm going to give it a 75% chance of a repeat of what oh, he did. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm giving it a 75% chance of what he did last year, but only in the power department and not in the average department. The average is going to come down. Uh, but, I, but I do think that – and this is going to sound weird because he's only 26 and it's really his, you know, his second full year in the bigs. But I kind of think this is who he is now. I don't think there's much more upside to Jonathan Scoop going forward. I drafted him 
two years ago, not last year. And I really liked him coming up. He was battling for the second base position. He finally got it, and he looked good. He makes good hard contact. He's a 401 average home home run distance. Uh, he doesn't strike out that much, and he's entering his prime. Um, another good thing is he's a free agent after the season, so maybe he goes out and and he hits 35 and he bats 270. But my projection for him is just it's good. It's not great. I have him down for 30 home runs, five steals, 270. That's a good season. But there are other second basemen we're going to get to that I just love so much more and have a lot more upside than that. So I'm passing. Pat? Yeah. I didn't like Scoop last year. Scoop, Scope. Um, <laughs> his results indicate that I was wrong, but I think it was more um, good process, bad results than anything else. There's quite a few red flags in his profile. But before I get to those, let me just say he did make some changes. His discipline and his patience got a little better, and he made a little more high, a little more hard contact, which Nick hinted at. He was up nearly 10% uh, in that category. But I think there's going to be some BABIP regression. He had a 330 BABIP over a 304 for his career. He's got a 16% infield fly rate, which was a career high. Um, and, and that's normally bad for BABIP. He still makes a ton of soft contact, 23%. He was 11th among qualified hitters in the category. And he was surrounded by Todd Frazier and a bunch of zero power guys. Um, and we all know the season that Todd Frazier just had in terms of his batting average. He's still a free swinger with a 13.8% swinging strike rate. And all of his contact gains that he made from the year prior were pretty much outside the zone, which mm -hmm. I think makes it less likely to be repeated. And I'm going to hit on some numbers that Nick likes. Fly ball line drive velocity was 203rd in Major League Baseball. He was below average in barrels per batted ball event. He was 161st in 95-plus mile-per-hour hits um, in terms of the percentage, and he had the 159th um, in terms of average home run distance. So, so to me, there's all sorts of red flags there that indicate average is coming down and the power is coming down. Yeah, but coming down to what? He had 25 the year before, so what are you, what are you projecting I'd home be run? Pro I would say 265-25, and being that he doesn't walk, that's not special. Okay. Pat, I think uh, I think you're not really a fan of Jonathan Scopes, it sounds like. Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, the only thing I'd like to add is Scopes, Scope definitely has uh, weird um, discipline numbers, as Pat mentioned. But he kind of passes the eye test. Uh, he does hit the ball hard when uh, when he makes contact, at least from the eye. So I think he's like a fair bet to keep keep the power. The power is real. It's it's what you guys mentioned. The contact and the uh, the batting average is is the downside. Okay, let's move it to the sixth overall second baseman, Robinson Cano, eighty four point seven five. After last year's decent but unspectacular season, the market seems to be valuing Cano as a declining asset. What say you? Do you think Cano can bounce back? And would you rather have scope? Or Cano plus two rounds of value. Oh my God! All right, so this is Cano, and that's it's not even close. It's not, not even the same. Close, yeah, yeah, it's not even like in the same realm. And yes, I am projecting a huge bounce back season for uh, Robinson Cano. Um, so the question is, what changed in 2017? 
Hard contact was fine. Ground balls, fly balls, fine. All the same. Walk rate, key rate, all the same. All in line with uh, years past. Um, contact, everything looks the same. The one stat that jumped off the page at me today when I was looking at all his stuff, trying to figure out what happened, was his launch angle. And his launch angle went from 11.83 in 2016 down to 7.5 degrees in 2017. Um so if you're hitting at Safeco and your launch angle is 7.5, you're not going to hit the ball out of the park. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, league average, league average is 11.80. Uh, so that's how much lower he was. Um, he had a mediocre 2015 season. So I'm like, let me look at what he did that year. And once again, his launch angle dropped to 6.3. And that was the year where he played through injuries. Um in early December, uh, Scott Service said that Cano played through injuries most of the second half. He had lower body, body injuries. Um, so in a nutshell, Cano hit 17 home runs in the first half and looked great. He was on his way to hitting 34 on the year. He got injured. He had some lower body injuries, changed his swing around a little bit, and started hitting more for hits and less power. So now he's fully healthy going into the year. He's got a phenomenal lineup. I love this lineup. The man, they, the guys in front of him all get on base, so the RBI is going to be there. He's got protection behind him. There's just bats all over that lineup. I'm projecting 32 home runs and a 290 season. Plenty of runs and RBIs. Huge comeback year for Cano. Yeah, so I have a tough time agreeing with you overall about the power because over something like 2,700 at-bats over the past four years – He's been much more of the 2017-2015 player with the, the seemingly lower launch angle than the 2016 player that put the ball in the air so much. So I don't know if that that power I, I don't know if that power is going to bounce back. Yeah, I agree with you, Joe. I, I'm thinking he's more like a 25 homer guy. Any rebuttal, Nick? No. I think he's in the more of a 32 home run guy. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. That's fair. that's fair. Yeah, I mean, Nick, I, I, I just, I, I had, I had issue with one thing that you said, which was, you said the grounders were the same, and I don't think they were. I think his ground ball, the fly ball rate, went up a, a significant amount. I think he was around 1.2 in 2016, and I think he jumped up. To about 1.7363. That's correct, though. 1.27. Yeah. So I mean, if he and, and that that coincides with what you said about the launch angle. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm a little worried about the grounders compared to the fly balls. Again, I think he's got enough power to hit 2025. 20, um, but I, I don't know if he's going to return to 30. But even at that 2025 20, level, I still think he's going to hit for a higher average than scope. I think he's going to have comparable runs and RBIs. Neither of these guys is going to run much. So, I mean, give me the two rounds of value and, and, and Cano every yeah, single time. And I will say this, right? While, Pat, you and I are pessimistic that he returns to those higher home run values, we, he has made the change before, which is promising. So he might, he might make a change again. We're not certain. But I think yeah, it's and, better, and, I think it's it better is, to bank on 25 home runs. And it is completely possible that this was – a, a total result of injury as Nick outlined where he was the same guy where he was trending towards a 30 homer season 
got hurt, changed his swing, and now when he's healthy, we'll change back again. Yeah, so essentially, right, he's got the upside where Scope, we think, kind of maxed out. So, yeah, there's no reason why Kano should be going after Scope. Yeah, I would not I, I would not be shocked at all if last year was the best season of Scope's career. But I don't like him at all, so mm-hmm. there's that. Okay, <laughs> let's move to the seventh overall second baseman, Whit Merrifield. Uh, he's got outfield eligibility in 10 games started formats. His ADP is 86.13. Armed with perhaps the best name in baseball, Merrifield came out of nowhere last year to explode for 19 homers and 34 stolen bases. Do you buy this breakout? And with an ADP similar to Cano, let's ask the same question. Merrifield and two rounds of value or scope? We're going to go back to scope. We're going we're gonna to hate scope all night, but of course it's Merrifield. And uh, I am buying the breakout. And it's, and it's not really it's not really close between Merrifield and uh, scope, even in a vacuum. Uh, I'm buying him. The critics say the power will drop, but I really like the swing. I don't see it. He could pull the crap out of the ball. He hits oppo as well. The speed is there. He's a smart, patient hitter. He doesn't really strike out much. I, I, I really like the player. And I, I think this year he goes 20-20. And it gives you a good average, scores a bunch of runs, a uh, good return here in value. Yeah, I mean, he made the fly ball changes that everyone's making in order to hit the home runs. So there's uh, there's no reason to think this isn't real. And he can steal, which is great. I mean, he may have a little bit of average downside, but he never really strikes out. So something like a 270 as his, as his downside for his average is probably realistic. So, I mean, we're talking like 20... 20 or so home runs, maybe a little less, high teens, you know, mid to high 20 stolen bases and a 270 average. I mean, that's fantastic. That's way better than scope. Yeah, I'm just going to chime in on the homers. Um, I don't think that he's a 20 homer bat. I think he's more of a 10-15 guy. He's got the hard contact. That's pretty good. But the stat cast, the stat cast data uh, is less promising. His line drive fly ball velocity is 92.1. His average distance is 396. In terms of home run tracker, he had five just enoughs or lucky. Uh, And he's not playing in a great ballpark for power. So I I can see the homers dropping to that, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 area as opposed to approaching 20. But even at that range, even if he's 15, 30, 280, he's still money. And he's still, once again, I would take him face value over scope at the same price. So of course I'm going to take the two rounds of value. Definitely. Okay. Let's move to Chris Taylor. Oh, uh, the eighth Chris overall Taylor. second baseman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The eighth overall second baseman, 96.5. He's got outfield eligibility and he'll have shortstop in 10 games started formats. He was a postseason hero and another come from nowhere breakout. What are your thoughts on Taylor heading into 2018? Oh, and if he man. does, can you settle down? <laughs> We're having a great time over here about Chris <laughs> yeah. Taylor, man. If he has the shortstop eligibility, does he edge closer to Merrifield and Cano, or is he still a level below? No, I, actually, I like him better than... Wait a second, wait a second. Was that ding planned? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, it certainly came across like it was. <laughs> no, it wasn't planned at all. Just we talk about Chris Taylor and magical things start happening. Um, but yeah, I, I like him better than both those guys straight up. I actually like him better than Merrifield uh, in a vacuum. Um, 
it's amazing to see all these young guys come up for the first time and have such good walking K rates off the bat. It didn't used to be like that, uh, but he's walking just as much as he strikes out. He looks phenomenal. Pat, I'm going to let you take it because that's your boy. So go ahead. Well, I'm going to correct you because he definitely wasn't walking as much as he was striking yeah, out. Yeah, he definitely was not, but that's he, okay. he walked about 9% of the time and struck out about 25. Oh. He's not Albert Pools. Yeah, no. Um, listen, Joe might recall, but I, I identified Taylor pretty early last year. Um, we were discussing him as a potential ad in our Dynasty League. I had watched him just completely obliterate the ball for about a week straight, and I was like, something's going on here. Um, and and I, he's adopted the Justin Turner approach, which is hit the ball as hard as you can, hit it in the air, um, and he's not hitting the ball in the air way too much, which is good because he doesn't have that kind of power where you want him trying to swing for 30 bombs. You want him to be a 15-20 guy, and that's what he'll be. And he's going to keep a strong Babbitt because he's going to hit the ball hard for line drives, for base hits, and then he can run. He was 17 of 21 on the bases. So he's he's got more upside for speed, even if he loses some of the power. And I think that strikeout rate, which I mentioned, is going to come down. He, because he doesn't swing, he doesn't chase out of the zone. He has a 25.2 O swing percentage. His swinging strike rate is down to 10.8%. So I think there's actually going to be a, a dip in his strikeout rate. I could see a few more walks, which he did in the postseason. I think in the postseason, this might be what Nick is thinking of. I think he did walk more than he struck out. Um, so I can see some upside and some positive changes to even cover up where he might regress if he regresses at all. That doesn't even go to his counting stats. This guy is going to be the leadoff for the Dodgers, the leadoff hitter for the Dodgers. He's going to play almost every day because he's got versatility. He can play in the outfield. He can play in the infield. Um, you know, he's going to score a ton of runs. I, I, I'm totally on board with him where he's got shortstop. He's definitely up there with Cano and Merrifield for me. Yeah, the 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 leadoff position and playing time is huge, right? Because he only had 568 plate appearances last year. So if he gets anywhere close to something like 700, oh my goodness, it could be outrageous what the runs in RBI total is. Honestly, for me, he's going after Dozier. Wow. Wow, so you've got him up around where Scope is. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't have him that high, but I'm a big fan. Okay, Rugnet Odor. This is another guy I think we're going to spend some time on tonight. Ninth overall second baseman, 110.13, coming off a 30-15 season at the age of 22. Seems odd that Odor is this low, but the batting average and OBP were terrible. Is Odor a value or a ticking time bomb in average and OBP? Such, such, such an amazing value. <clears throat> and second base is just like a fine wine this year. Uh, it just keeps getting better over time. Uh, I, you know, with Odor, we really don't have to dig into his advanced, his, his advanced stats or look at stat cast or anything like that. You just you watch film and you see the talent. It's on the field. He's 23 years old and coming off of back-to-back -back 30 home run, 10 stolen base seasons. Um. 
And this is what happens when you come up at age 21. You're you're adjusting and you're growing in the spotlight. He's not in the minors to make adjustments and change his swing and do different things to get better. He's in the bigs and we're watching him. Uh, just look at Justin Upton, who also came up at age 21, who's who who kind of puts up similar those 30-10 seasons. His first two seasons were disastrous too. He came up and at age 23. Boom, he broke out 26, 2300. Now, I don't think Odor's going to hit 300 this year, but my projection for him for him is 13, th I'm sorry, 33 home runs, 13 steals, 255. That's ridiculous. That's Dozier-esque. And he's going so many picks later. So I'm taking Odor over every single guy we named so far besides the first two guys. Uh, and you, if you get him at his ADP, you made out like a bandit. So, Nick, you took the traditional approach. I'm going to take the more sabermetric approach. Go ahead. So, um, speed score, 28 feet per second. That's on par with Jose Altuve, right? So, we know Odor's fast just by the eye test. He's fast by the speed score, too. So, he should be doing a better job of beating out ground balls than he was last year. So, I think there's a lot of batting average upside. Now, let's play a little game of comparing Odor and, and scope, right? So, the... Uh, Outside the zone, swing percentages are pretty much identical, 38 and 37%. The swing percentages, 52.8 for Odor, 52.4 for Scope. Contact percentages, 41.1 for Odor, 41.6 for Scope. And swing strike rates, 13.0 for Odor and 13.8 for Scope. What does that mean? That means that Odor, or I'm sorry, Scope, hit almost 100 points higher than Odor did this past year. So if we see a reverse of luck at all, right? Now we're talking about Odor batting 270 with 30-something home runs and plus-plus steals. So, yeah, there's huge, huge upside. I don't think he's going to hit 270. I think it'll be around 240 and 250. But uh, this is a crime that he's going so late, and there's a huge profit potential here. Yeah, I don't have much to add. I completely agree with both of your takes. Um I'm, I'm not as high on him as Nick is in terms of where I would rank him, but I completely agree that this is a major value. And let me just reiterate that this is a player that's 23. So not only is there the potential for him to bounce back to what he was, but there's the potential for him to evolve further, um, learn some patience at the plate, learn how to stop popping up so much. It is very rare that you see a player come up at the age of, you know, 21, 22 and have 30 homer 10 plus steal seasons. Uh, this guy is a, a fantastic talent and there is major upside here. And I, I think that this could be a big time profit opportunity for fantasy owners without question. Because all he has to do is get back to his prior level of production. And I think there could be more there, given his age. Okay, let's move to the 10th second baseman, Yohan Moncada, 116.33. Across AAA and Major League Baseball last year, Moncada put together a 2020 season and about 600 plate appearances. There are some red flags, but the market is buying over under 30% K percentage. Uh, I'm going just under and yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I do like the player a lot. 
I mean, but he comes with a ton of red flags. The bottom could fall out and he could, you know, he could bat 230 this year. He could bat 220. He could bat, you know, God only knows with that key rate. Uh, but he does have intriguing power. He's he's fast. He could he could he could go 2020, uh, but it's not going to come with a good average unless he's lucky. So I'm I'm kind of like staying away. And uh, maybe in the future he turns into a little bit of a more patient hitter and a better hitter. Okay, well then let me just run these down with you, Nick, because I've got a couple of more over unders. Over under twenty five homers. Under. Over under twenty steals. Over. Okay. What about over oh. over under twenty home runs? Um, I, I would say just over. Let's give him twenty two. Okay, so okay. you got him twenty twenty to thirty ish. Yeah. Okay. Joe. Uh, so I'm under on the thirty percent uh, K rate. I am under on twenty five home runs and just under on twenty. I'm at. 18. And as far as stolen bases, I'm over 20. Okay. All right. I'm going to take the under on the K percentage because his swinging strike rate is not that bad, but it's certainly close. Um, I think he's going to go under on the power. He's going to eventually find it. He's eventually going to be a 25 plus homer bat, but his profile right now is a little heavy on the grounders. And give me the over on the steals, which is 20-plus. Uh, it's a bad team. He's got a good walk rate. Um, and he's 12th on the StatCast sprint score. And he's in front of Trey Turner and Lorenzo Kane. So I, I think that he can run. I think that that's something that they're going to take advantage of this year. So, okay, I think I know the answer. But just for sake of clarity, do you prefer him or Odor? Odor. 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 Not close. Okay. Uh, do you think people are paying for his upside here? Because this is pretty high. Yeah, it's well, extremely we need high. To, well, we need to clarify that. Are, are they paying for his this year upside? Or are they paying for his long-term upside? Well, I don't think... I, I, they're not paying for 25-25. But they're probably paying for, like, 22-25. And, and not 2 Right. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Uh, what, what's what's his what's his upside? Like his absolute upside, in, as far as average goes. Do you think like, like what's career? The, no, like this year, 2018, 2017, What twenty eighteen? Twenty eighteen. What do you think his upside that his average could be? Um, two seventy. Yes, yeah, best I, case. Like best, best, best case scenario, and worst yeah. Case, and worst case, it's like under two twenty. No, nah, it's probably right around there. But it's yeah, probably about two twenty. Yeah, okay. yeah. He's athletic enough that he'll he'll make it there, even if the strikeout rate gets <clears throat> out of control. I yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, but like so, right? Odor was just thirty. What like thirty and fifteen, right? So that's like forty five home runs and and stolen bases. So like at at twenty. 20 i mean we're talking about only five less but i think i think that's like kind of kind of pushing it i don't i don't know i, I think I, this is expensive. i don't think it's i don't think it's as bad as um it's been uh you know i mean i've had issues with byron buxton the last few years and i think i don't think this is as bad as that that's fair we're not talking because, about 
this is and and this is late enough at the position where you can back him up with a very quality depth option and try to cash the upside and if it doesn't pay off you can simply replace him with somebody who's going to be you know within the top 10 you know what Listen, we're at the point now, I think after round nine, for me, it's okay to take chances. You want to take a young prospect. I mean, this guy was all over every single prospect list there is for, for a while now. The The problem that I have with it is that it's second base. And as we go along the show and we get to how deep it really is, that's why I don't like the ADP. Yeah, okay. All right, let's go to number 11, Ian Happ, 130.38. Happ also has outfield eligibility. In his first taste of the bigs, Hap was very productive. 24 homers, 8 steals, over 413 plate appearances. Do you worry at all about the playing time, or are you buying the skills at this price and going to let the playing time sort itself out? Yeah, I mean, listen, you got to wor- be worried about the playing time. I mean, th- but but I think they are going to find a way to fit him in. Who like doesn't love this kid going into the season if he, if he actually gets the playing time? Um you know, last year could have been even better if the K rate was down. And he's not a guy that strikes out 31% of the time. If you look at years past in AAA, AA, he wasn't even close to that. He topped out at 23.6% was his, was his highest he was ever at. So I expected that K rate would probably come down more towards like the 25-ish percent range, in which case will result in more contact, more home runs, all that good stuff. Um, he's also got really good speed. Um, I think it's a little underrated. Most people have him projected for between 10 and 15. Steamer has him projected for 10. I think he's a guy who could steal close to 20. If you've watched him play, this guy is really, really fast on the bases, and he knows how to steal a base. Uh, I, I love him if he gets the playing time. And let's just say he plays 140 games. Let's just say he gets uh, 575 pl- uh, plate appearances. I have him projected for... 25 home runs, 20 steals, 265 average. I'm a, I'm a little bit higher on the power than you are, but yeah, I, I like him too. There, there's a lot to like here for sure. He crushes the ball. He doesn't pop up. He's got a healthy line drive rate, which will help that average like Nick mentioned. Um, the only bad thing that I really found in his profile is that pitchers um, – really aren't going to throw him strikes all that often because of, because of his inability to put the bat on the ball outside of the zone, which he'll improve as he gets older. Um, but he's going to have to learn to fight off more pitches before that batting average can really, really climb up. Um, I guess Schwarber and Almora throw some wrenches in the work, but I think Hap will eventually get the playing time. Yeah, I'm normally somebody that's extremely concerned about playing time. But I'm willing to make the exception here because I think Hap has shown now that he can be successful in even less than full playing time. Um, he's got power and speed. Uh, like Nick, I expect the carry to come down, uh, not only because it's my only track record, but prospect grades have his hit tool at about a 55. Uh, Joe, you indicated about the problem with swinging outside the zone um, and missing outside the zone. But yes. correct me if I'm wrong, he – also is pretty good at laying off those pitches. That's correct. So not he doesn't necessarily have to fight them off. He just needs to lay off them maybe some more. Um, I, I expect the swing and miss to improve as we go along. Uh, to me, I, he looks a lot like Brian Dozier in terms of 
profile. Uh, you know, he's a close to 30 homer bat. He's going to provide double digit steals. Uh, I think he's got a little more average upside than Dozier uh, because he doesn't quite have that, you know, strict all out fly ball profile. He's a bit more of a line drive guy. So, I mean, I can see a scenario where he's like a 270 hitter, 30-10 in terms of power and speed um, in the best case. And let's remember, too, the Cubs are loaded with position players. Maybe this is how they get their pitching. And right now, if you're drafting, you can draft and you're paying for approximately, I think, we can all agree, this is about the price for 500 plate appearances of Ian Happ, right? Yeah. Yes. So you might be able to get him for 500 plate appearances at, at this price. And then if he gets traded to a team like Tampa in a trade for Chris Archer, he's looking at 600, 650 plate appearances. His value is going to go through the roof. So Absolutely. especially in early drafts, there's, there's a good chance that you can profit big time from taking him. All right, we'll move to his teammate, 12th at the position, Javier Baez, 130.67. Hap's teammate, Baez, will have eligibility at both second base and shortstop. With a little more playing time, his numbers took a big jump forward in 2017. Where are you on Baez, and is there upside beyond 2017? So, or do you think that 2017 is the new norm? I, I really, really like Baez, and I think there is huge upside in the kid, but I'm going to pass to Joe because Joe's got some good juicy stuff on him. Sure, yeah. So there's, there's a lot going on here. Um, that that K rate is going to limit his batting average for sure, but he does hit the ball on the ground a lot, which is good because he's fast and athletic and young. So that offsets some of that batting average risk. Um, the ground balls do hurt the home run upside though. Um, he also led all of second baseman last year in, in chase rate and he's up there in the majors. Um, and so he hasn't really grown at all in respect to his plate discipline and batting eye, which is something that really concerns me. Um, Joe, can I just chime in? Sure. I think you downplayed it. He's not just up there in terms of the amount that he chases. He's got the second highest O-swing in Major League Baseball among qualified hitters. The only one uh, – excuse me, I don't even have who, who's higher here. But <laughs> I was about to say he – he he's like a, Joey Gallo is his comp in terms of swinging strike rate. Oh my god, he's at eighteen percent swinging strike rate, which is second among qualified hitters behind Joey Gallo. Yeah, it's behind. But Joey he Gallo. doesn't have the. <laughs> but Joey Gallo doesn't even chase as much as this guy. Yep. Yeah. So that, he stinks. That's, that's the issue, right? <laughs> And and you know what you know what I I hate to say it though but it shows on the field too he's he's not a particularly mature player on the field so I I don't know it, it it's hard to like him it's really hard to like him I mean I get the allure of of twenty to twenty five home runs and and steals but oh my goodness the the batting average downside is like the bottom of the floor. I thought you liked Baez. I don't anymore. I look deeper. I dug <laughs> a little deeper, man. Jeez. Nick, do you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, I, listen, I, I like the player. And I don't know, Joe, you said he looks even worse on the field. I disagree. Um, I watched a lot of the Cubs last year. I, I and didn't say he looked worse on the field. I said he looks immature on the field. 
Well, I don't know. All right, listen. Bottom line is this. From watching video, if you go watch this kid hit home runs, he absolutely crushes them. He's got really good power for a kid who's just six foot 190, and he's got really good speed. I mean, the 10 home runs – I mean, sorry, the 10 home runs. The 10 stolen bases from last year, I think are a low. This year, I expect him, if he gets the playing time, to go 15-plus and to go 20-plus. And I get that there's downside in the average, but if he goes – 20, let's say he repeats the power at 23. The bombs go up to the stolen bases go up to 15 and he bats 265. I think you get a return in value here at this ADP. Yeah, absolutely. But there's also significant downside. Um, the big issue that I have with Baez isn't just it, it's it's that he got considerably worse last year from a process standpoint. Um, the K rate went up, the swing strike rate went up. He made less contact, and I'm just worried that that indicates that because he's so aggressive, teams are going to adjust, and if he duplicates what he did last year in terms of process, the results will be much worse. What he needs to do is take the contact gains that he made in 2016 and put them with the power results that he got with 2017. but. I don't know that he's going to put it all together. And his process from 2017 spells disaster. Because if he's going to strike out 28% of the time with ground balls, plus, you know, chasing every single pitch that he sees or every other pitch, I should say, and that's almost a literal exact statement with a 45% chase rate, he's going to be. Terrible. Yeah, I, I mean, so his two, his past two years, his his batting averages have been 273 on the nose, but his X stats batting averages, expected batting averages, have been 242 for last year and 248 the year before, and those are probably like generous. So we're talking about 30 points of variance either way. So he can he can be down to like 210. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about, especially when you're talking about, you know, those kinds of struggles in terms of making contact. All right, does anybody else have anything to add on bias, or can we move along? Oh, we can move along to the next guy. All right, let's talk about DJ LeMayu, 13th, 137.17. With 19 homers and 17 steals over Mm. the last two seasons, is LeMayu strictly a runs and average asset? (laughs) Or do you think you could find some power or speed? Well, first of all, and uh, Nick, before you, before you, before you jump in, I know you're excited. Can you be successful with this type of player? <laughs> all right. So, first of all, before I get to your question, which have obvious answers, um, <laughs> me, me, me and Pat had a side bet last year, which I lost. I bet that. DJ would hit over 20 home runs, and I lost that pretty bad. Was it 15 he or 20? Done it what in- an idiot! Was it what 15 or 20? It was 20. Okay. So, um, to get to your question, all right, let, let's forget about that. To get to get to your question, <laughs> uh, yes, you can roster him, uh, 100. percent The guy is a 300 plus hitter, and that's always useful to have on your team. He walks a lot. He doesn't strike out. Uh, he's a really good bench guy if you need to, you know, fill him in for somebody because he's not going to hurt you in any particular category. 
Um, but like I said to you guys yesterday, um, I absolutely love the player. I always have. And I'm not giving up on his power. In fact, I'm ready to double down. I'm ready to double down. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, he's above league average, league average in exit velocity, okay? He makes good hard contact, and he's just – Got like the nicest, prettiest swing in all of freaking baseball. I, I just love the player. But he's got a launch angle that is like D Gordon esque, bottom of the barrel. All he has to do is turn that bat upward just a tad, and they're gonna start flying out of the park. He's 6'4, 215. He's got the frame, he's got the swing, he's in a good he's in the ballpark. He's got well, he doesn't have the swing. You just outlined Should. that he doesn't have the swing. Well, he could have the swing. Dude, he Man. never puts the ball in the air. Listen, but, but everybody's doing it. It's the it's the it's the new thing. It, well, listen, not him. He's gonna do it, Joe. It's gonna come. It's gonna come. He's too good a hitter. He's too good a hitter to not turn the swing upward just a tad and turn that eight home run season into a twenty home run season. I'm banking on it. It's gonna happen this year. Mark my words. That is one bold prediction. Yeah, too bad he made it last year. <laughs> Listen, uh, I'll 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 make the counter argument in terms of Lemayu. I agree with you on this point. He's more likely to reach a twenty homer level, I think, at this point than he is to reach a twenty steal level. And the reason for that is is that he's become very bad on the base paths. He's not efficient. Colorado's a very good offense. They don't need him to run. I don't think he's going to run anywhere near a 20 steal level anymore. Maybe 10, but and I and, and I will agree with Nick on this point. He does hit the ball hard. So, if he does undergo a swing change, yes, it is possible that this is a guy who could undergo a radical power change. Now, I remember seeing statements from Lemayu that say he doesn't have any interest in changing his swing. So if, you know, unless he's lying, I'm not sure he's going to undergo those changes. And this is a player that has success with the approach that he has. Um, but there are major problems with the swing as it exists right now. He's going opposite field. He's going on the ground. He kind of reminds me of Daniel Murphy pre-swing uh, change. And if you look, Murphy used to have a heavier ground ball profile. It wasn't as extreme as DJ LeMayu's, but – it's the same sort of pattern. So if LeMayu decides to make this change and is successful in implementing it, Nick could be correct. But there's nothing to give you any indication that's coming until we see it. I've got no? nothing to add. Nothing? Okay. No. <laughs> All right. Ozzy Albies, 143.08, 14th at the position. Albies was impressive across 244 major league plate appearances. What do you think about the Braves' young second baseman? Is there potential profit at this price? Do you think he climbs boards as draft season approaches? Oh, he is definitely returning a profit. And of all the second base we're going to talk, tonight, talk about tonight, LeMay is one guy I'm going to go crazy over. Kinsler's a guy I'm going to go crazy for over, over later. But make no mistake about it, Ozzie Albies is my favorite second baseman in all of baseball. I drafted him last year, and I was very happy with the results. Um, 
he's absolutely going to be a full-blown stud in this league. 8.6% walk rate, 14.8% key rate, beautiful. 33% hard contact rate, beautiful. Uh, some will doubt his power because he's 5'9", 160, but put that aside. Uh, Steamer has him um, uh, from – let me just see this. Wait, has Albies – I believe Wait. Steamer has him at 13 homers, 19 seals. Yeah. So I'm predicting a 2020 season from him this season and a 288 average. I think he's going to go absolutely nuts. Um, he makes great contact. He has a ridiculous 15% launch angle. That's like ridiculous off the charts. Um, and it's very, very, very similar to Jose Ramirez. In fact, all his numbers are very, very similar to Jose Ramirez. I think the two... Uh, I think as the next couple of seasons play out, I think his numbers are going to also wind up being very similar to Jose Ramirez. He's got a huge late kick. Watch the swing. There's a lot of power in that swing for a small guy. I absolutely love this kid. Forget about it. He's going to be a stud. I think that's actually a really, really good comp. Um, that's a good job on you, Nick. You should, you should get some credit for that. Uh, I, the only thing I'd like to add is I think that there's a ton of running RBI upside hitting it behind Freeman for the whole year. So you think he's going to hit in front, uh, behind. Oh, I'm sorry. In front, in front. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was another thing about steamers projection that I didn't quite understand was they had the runs and RBI sort of low and I see him as the two hitter um, behind uh, in front of NCRTE in, in front of Freeman and behind NCRTE. So I think the runs and RBIs will actually be pretty good. Um, I don't have much else to add. The only thing that I would say just to throw a little bit of caution out there is I think people might get a little aggressive on the average being that he hit two, uh, 86 last year. I, it's a, it's a minor, um, it, it's a minor adjustment, but I think he's more of a 265, 270 hitter at this point. Um, he had a strikeout rate. That was at 20% in AAA, and he's got a 10% swing strike rate. So I, I think he's more of a 265, 270 guy at this point. I think eventually he will tick up, um, but I think he's a double-digit power, double-digit speed guy as both these guys outlined. So I'm in as well. I do think he's going to return a profit at this price, but I do worry that he might rise up boards as draft season approaches because – I think a lot of people in the industry are going to be on. Yeah. Uh, so before we go to the next guy, right? Um, I have a question for you guys. Would you take uh, Albies over Hap? Oh, it's close. I, I, I would. Depends take on Albies. context. I would take Albies over him. It's it's strictly a context question for me. If I am lacking speed, Albies is the answer. If I'm not lacking speed and I could use some power, Hap is the answer. If okay, it's neutral, but, I'm probably taking Albies because okay. speed is more scarce. Uh, but you'll take Moncada over Albies? No. No. I, I would take Albies over Moncada. Okay, so how far up are we going? Um, not Odor. Definitely not Odor. No, I wouldn't for take me, him over Odor. Odor. For me, it goes Odor. Unless I absolutely needed the speed. So we're, yeah, talking, me, we're talking another 30 yeah. picks. He can climb before you'd, you'd probably be cautious. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to get a sense of where you guys are at. Okay, 15th overall second baseman, Jonathan VR, 185.63. He's got outfield eligibility in five-game started formats. 
DR cratered after 2016's mega season. However, the quotes from Milwaukee indicate that he's going to get another shot. Is VR the player from 2016, 2017, or something in the middle? Yeah, I think he's just something in the middle. Um, look, I, I absolutely love the pick here. I think there's could, obviously there could be a huge return in value. He's still just 26. He feels older because um, he's been around a while. But the issue is, can he stay healthy? If he does, he's a lock for 30 plus steals and 10 home runs, uh, making it a huge profit right there. The key rate has to come down in order for him to succeed. But even with a poor average at this point in the draft, uh, I'm signing up for 1030. Or what I proje- what I actually project him for is 1535. And that's really good. I mean, and, and, and the average is going to come up. I, I see him as like a 265-ish hitter. If he goes 265 and does what he does, he's going to be awesome. So I absolutely love the pick here. Yeah, so over his last 1,000 plate appearances, uh, his homer-to-fly ball rate is 19.3%, which is really, really good. Um, the issue is, is that last year he didn't put the ball in the air nearly enough to make good use of it, and he also swung a lot more and missed a lot more. So those are all issues. Um, I think he's somewhere in between. The only thing is I would not expect 60 steals again or anywhere close because last year he went back closer to his career average stolen base rate, but I think 35 stolen bases as well within the realm of possibilities. Still great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15-plus homers is right around where it'll be at, and if the average bounces back even a little bit, uh, we're talking about a real big steal here. I really like VR at this price. I have VR pegged as the Chris Davis of the middle infield um, because of all the reasons you guys have outlined. Um, You know, he's a player that's got some bounce back potential to uh, sort of middle ground where he's, you know, 255, 260 in terms of average, 15 homers and 30 plus steals. And at 185, that's a major value. He's also got, he, he's done it. He, he, he went 280, 20 homers, 60 some odd steals. I would never project him for that again. And no one ever did, but it's in there somewhere. And that sort of player at this value is a league stealer. Now, I'm a big VR guy. I was on him the year before he had that big breakout year. But let me throw some cold water on it as well. Here's the problem with taking VR. And it's not such a huge problem because it's a minimal cost, but it's still a problem. Uh, If he is the middle ground player we think he is, it is possible that his first 200 or so at-bats do not go well and we see a bad version of that middling player. And if we do, he might turn into an absolute zero. Because they did it to him last year. Yes. After a 2060 season, he had a bad 200 plate appearances and started playing Eric Sogard over him. So he's going to have to get off to a hot start because if he doesn't get off to a hot start, Milwaukee is not, especially because they believe themselves to be contenders, they are not going to wait around for him to find it. Yeah, and, and to, to add on to that, right, 
we're already having discussions in the Brewers organization about having confidence in VR, right? And we're talking about January, which is a problem. So playing time could be a gigantic issue with him. Yeah. Yeah, he is he is a complete boomer bust pick in my mind because there's going to be no middle ground. There's going to be no value from him if he gets off to a slow start. They will simply pull the plug. And they might still. They might go out and re-sign Neil Walker or somebody and then VR is a bench guy. Uh, that's the other part. And but but uh, still at this point 17th round, I mean yeah, yeah, we, we don't disagree. Shot in the dark. Oh yeah, yeah, no, he's he's a worthwhile shot in the dark because we've seen it. Totally. Okay, 16th, second baseman, Scooter Jeanette, 205.05, outfield eligible, 10 games started formats, has third base in five games started formats. Scooter hit 27 bombs and drove in 97 runs in an abbreviated 497 plate appearance campaign. How much of this is real on a percentage basis? And would you rather take a shot on VR or Gannett with everything being equal? Uh, I'd rather take a shot on Jeanette. And I, I, I do think that the stats st- I, uh, stick for the most part with a little drop in power. Um, and, I'm, I, and of course, I get no credit for calling Scooter Jeanette three years ago when we did the podcast because – it was a different, different player, player. Because, it was, <laughs> but, because it was three years ago. Yeah. Well, him and, and listen, him and Jake Glam basically did the same thing. All right. Well, let's not get into that. But yeah, I was on Scooter Jeanette back in like 2013. But anyway. Yeah, and you were wrong for four years. <laughs> no, I wasn't wrong. But anyway. So um, things about Jeanette that I kind of don't like is uh, the exit velo is really low. The average home run distance is very low. Uh, the hard contact rate is, however, uh, pretty nice. Uh, you know, I, the one thing, I, the reason why I liked Jeanette as a younger player before he came up was that he made a really good contact. He didn't strike out, and he looked super uh, composed and at the plate. Uh, he just looked like a really mature hitter, and I just felt like he would translate well into the bigs. It's, it's, I looked at him and Jake Lamb as the same exact player. And you um, liked the fact that his name was Scooter. And I loved the fact that he was, his name was Scooter, yeah. Um, but... You know what? He turned it around last year, like everybody else. I mean, every this the league is changing, and everybody knows now what you have to do, and you have to start swinging the bat more upright. You're gonna hit more home runs, and that's just what he did. But I don't think the 27 is a real number. I think he's gonna be more around 25, but the average will stick. He's just a very good uh, contact uh, ball player, so I think uh, it will come down a little bit from 25 down to like. 285, 290 ish. It's going to come with more steals than three. He's he's got a lot more speed than people might think. I think it could be closer to ten home runs. Uh, and so if the ten power, steals. I'm sorry, ten steals. So if the power does come down to let's say 23 home runs, and he steals ten bags and bats 285, he's definitely rosterable. And there is a a bit of a return. It's a little bit of a boring stat line, uh, but it does come with good RBIs and runs and I, I, I like Scooter at this part, at this at this point. It's it's actually the counting stats that I'm worried about. Um, the Reds kind of had a, a, a really sneaky good offense last year, and I know uh, Nick Senzel might be coming up, which might add some fuel to that fire. Um, but I just don't know if Jeanette, as the player he is right now, uh, pulling the ball in the air a lot, which he did 
So I think the power is mostly real. I'm just not sure if he's really a 295 hitter. And I think that that'll cut into his run in RBI totals a lot. And those run in RBI totals are fantastic. But I don't think he'll be nearly as productive this year with a drop in the batting average. I think his home runs will come down closer to 20. Um, 23 is a, probably a good number. Um, so I'm just not sh- I'm just not sure if if he's a huge profit. I think VR has the potential of of like you mentioned, Pat, really being a home run and winning you the league. Yeah, this is a this is a much safer pick, a more boring pick, where VR is just a complete boomer bust. Pat. Yeah, I would I would agree with what Nick just said. Um, I, I think that Jeanette has a much higher floor than VR. Um, but I, I do think that they're both potentially zeros uh, because, as you mentioned, Senzel's coming up and he's going to take somebody's job. Um, you know, whether it's Jeanette, whether it's Suarez, whether they shift Suarez to short and put Senzel at third, um, and then Peraza is a super utility guy, who knows? But um, there is the potential that he's a zero. Jeanette was interesting because he had – he didn't have really good stat cast data. Um, it, it looked fluky to me, but as you both mentioned, he's he pulled the fly balls more and he made 46.2% hard contact on the fly balls. Um, so for some context, Scott Schebler, his teammate, is coming off a year where he hit 29 homers, made 45% hard contact, and had a 34% pull rate. So he's in the same ballpark as somebody else on his own team that did something similar. Um, and I believe Shebler had um, a significant amount more playing time than Jeanette. Um, I, I do expect the power to come down. I, I think he's going to be a low 20s homer guy. And I agree with Joe where he's hitting the ball in the air more. The Babip's going to go down. So he's going to be like a 275 hitter. 275, 20, handful of steals, not special. Solid, good lineup. I think there are guys that are going after him that can give you the same thing. Um, so I think I would pass on him at this price. And I echo your sentiment about VR. I mean, VR is a home run pick. I'd rather take the home run at this point. Ian Kinsler, 209.04. We addressed Kinsler on our offseason rundown. So I'll ask you this. Although his production might be a little boring, is there any player at second base who is more likely to turn a profit given their price? Absolutely not. Uh, I'd just like to mention that I was wrong. On the Catcher podcast, I said I like Zach Cozart more than Ian Kinsler. I'm a fool. Yes, Ian Kinsler is a man. You are a fool, JR. You are a fool, JR. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is without a doubt the best value pick. Um, of second base, not the draft, because don't even get me started on Miguel Cabrera again. But we're we're past that. Um, but yeah, this is this is insane value. Imagine you are in a draft where you punt second base, completely punt it, and you're able to wind up with a guy who who will probably go twenty plus ten plus with a solid average, and it, and God only knows how many runs in RBIs he's going to score on this team. Um, so. This is this is just ridiculous. He is who he is. He we used to call him 10-10-10-10 because he was kind of boring and for a bunch of years in a row he went like 13-15, 17-15, 11-10. 
But then he turned his swing around like everybody else in the league in 2016, 2017, and now he's hitting 20-plus pop, and he's stealing bases as well. So, uh, And he's not a 236 hitter. That's coming up this year. Yeah. It's, it's definitely going to come up. Um, you know, He's a career 273 hitter. Uh, he has done it before. If you look in years past with the Rangers, the, the the batting average was up and down, up and down. This year, I completely projected to go back up. Uh, he, he's a safe bet, I think, for 250 plus. I have him down for 260. I have his full blown stat line down for 23 home runs, 11 steals, 260 average, and that's going to come with a lot of runs scored. Yeah, so I was completely wrong, right? Uh, even in a down year, he went 22-14 and scored 90 runs. He has elite contact rates, doesn't chase pitches, and hits the ball hard. He does have a bit of a pop-up issue, which might limit some of uh, his bat luck. So his average might get hurt in that regard, but for his whole career, he's had, he's had pop-up problems. So his average should bounce back in a huge way. He should climb up to 270, 280, like Nick said. Uh, I have him for 2013. Uh, huge value here. I love him. I'm in. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you guys. Nothing more to say. This is easily 100 picks of value right here. Just bank it. All right, Jose Peraza, 18th at the position, 219.35. He also has shortstop eligibility. He had a tough first season for a popular uh, 2017 sleeper. Do you think the market was simply a year too early, or are there real concerns? What multi-eligibility player would you rather have at their price, Peraza or Javier Baez? So I'd rather have Baez, but it's I really like Baez, and it's not taking anything away from Peraza because I love Peraza. We, everyone in this chat right now knows I love Peraza, and last year I was one of those guys who was probably uh, a year too early, but um, – I yeah, projecting him into what fifteen <laughs> homer powers. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, listen, Steamer's projecting more power this year. He's got uh, Steamer's got him down for eight home runs. Um, but <laughs> listen, <laughs> hey, a whopping eight home runs, woohoo! Um, but listen, I I, I love the player. Uh, he puts really good contact on the ball, not hard contact, but he just makes really good contact. He sprays the ball all over the field. Um, he's not. I mean, the 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 issue that I think. Pat has with him the main issue is that he doesn't walk. I wish he did walk more, but he doesn't strike out at all. Uh, and last year's 259 average, another thing, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're all very confident that'll come up to at least 265, 270. I haven't projected for 10 home runs, 30 steals, 275 average. A nice return at this at this uh, this ADP. Yeah, the problem is he popped up a lot. Um I actually, as as much as I don't like Baez uh, because of all the things I mentioned before, I think that there's more upside in Baez than there is Peraza. So I actually like Baez better at that price than Peraza. Yeah, I, my my issues with Peraza aren't even so much the walk rate. Um, I, I, I mean, I do prefer players that get on base more, but... I'm worried that maybe he's just not quite the Steels asset that we thought he was. Um, he's been very inefficient on the base paths. In 2016, across AAA and Major League Baseball, he was 31 of 48. In his Major League career now, he's 44 of 62. That's not great. 
Um, his StatCast sprint score places him 89th. And when you look at the top steel players, they all have one thing or another. A sprint score that was higher than Peraza's or an OBP of 337 or higher. Peraza's was below 300. He's either going to have to get on base more or he was injured last year. One of the two um, in order to steal more bases. But even putting that aside, let's say that this is who he is. I still think he's going to hit for a higher average than he did last year. So let's say he's a 270 hitter um, with mid to high single digits pop. We'll give him seven homers and 25 steals. That player could end up at the top of the Reds lineup if they trade Billy Hamilton as they are discussing or as they will do during the season uh, because I believe it's Hamilton's last year. So Peraza could very easily find himself being the leadoff hitter at one point in this this year. So a half a season's worth of leadoff at bats, let's say, let's be conservative, seven homers, 25 steals, 270, second base and shortstop. He's not a bad player at all at this price, and there is some upside that maybe he finds it, maybe he turns into a 300-plus hitter. Um, he does make enough contact to do that. He does have to improve the type of contact that he makes, but – you know, everybody's everybody's got flaws at this point. So I'm willing to take the shot that maybe he's a little bit better than that. So you're taking Peraza over Bias? Absolutely, 100%. Okay. Okay, uh, Willie Calhoun, 19th at the position, 228.09. Calhoun got a cup of coffee last year and appears set to start the year with the big league club at some position. Without a true position, do you think Calhoun can hit enough to stick? Do you think Steamer's 27 homers, 278, 330, 491 triple slash projection is a little optimistic? I love this kid. <laughs> I, I, I really I really wish he would have came up last year and struggled, so I could have got him super cheap. But I'm well, like – It wasn't great. I'm, well, it was, it was such a limited – yeah, you know, it was only thirty-seven yeah. plate appearances. Yeah, he didn't struggle just... over the course of eight at bats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish he would have came up and played like. Yeah, 60, I wish he would have gone over eight with seven strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I kind of I wish that we would have had a small, a, a bigger sample size, and he would have struggled because then he probably would have fell off the radar. But he's still pretty high ADP wise, two twenty-one uh, for where I thought he would be. But I absolutely love this kid. I've been trying to keep him a little a little secret. I love the power. I love the player. Um, there's a lot to like here. I think he does find at bats. And when he does find at bats, there are spots for him to move up in this lineup. Uh, I don't think Shinsu Chu and Elvis Andrus are you know cemented into that one and two role on this lineup. Um, and if Calhoun can move up to, let's just say, the two spot, He'll be in front of Beltre and Gallo and Odor, and it's a nice place to be. Uh, if he gets 500 and – let's say he gets close to 600 plate appearances, you could bank on 25-plus home runs and a nice average. Uh, I would love to see him get close to 10 steals. That would then make him a more complete player and a guy that I really love because I love those 10 steal guys. But I- I'm still all over this kid, and I'm drafting him in every single league that I'm in going into this year. Do you think he gets 600 plate appearances, though? I do. There's, you look at the lineup, and with, with Beltre and 
uh, who's 50 years old and Shinsu Chu, who's made of glass and uh, uh, Joey Gallo, who could bat a hundred by the, by the mid year. And there's a lot of question marks here. Odor who, you know, who we love, but if the problems continue, he could also, you know, bat 200, who knows? There's a lot of doors that could let be me, let me, let me just chime in on that point because I think there's something that you missed there, Nick. Their rotation is terrible. They are unlikely to be a playoff type team. So I, I think they're going to give Calhoun the at bats because he's a part of their future. So it behooves them to try and let him play as opposed to try and, you know, figure out what the best thing is for the team in 2017 and start thinking about in 2018. I don't even know what year it is uh, in 2018 and, and try and look towards 2019 and 2020. So there's, well, there, yeah, I mean, why not play him at D like who else are you going to play at DH on this team? There's well, the, the only, the only, I, I'm going to temper expectations just a little bit. The only thing I have to say is that they were actively pursuing Lorenzo Cain last week. Um, I'm not sure if that means that Calhoun won't be a DH. By God, it's Cain. But uh, as of as of today, right, the, the roster construction on the Rangers today, I think he, he'll see at bats. But I think if, if they do go out and sign someone, I'd be a little bit, I, I tempered the expectations a little bit. And I'm not sure he'd get two six hundred. With that said, I still think he's almost a lock for twenty two to twenty three home runs because he'll find some sorts of plate appearances. Yeah, I'll just add I'm I'm closer to Nick in terms of my optimism. Um, I, I do think that Calhoun is a value at this point. I do think he's going to rise as drafts approach because again, I think like Albie's. Um, he's going to be a hot name in the industry because there's a high likelihood that he's going to hit well uh, out the gate. Um, so only other thing I would add is don't be scared off by his minor league infield fly ball rate. Um, Alex Chamberlain from Fangraphs put out an excellent piece today pointing out that there seems to be some kind of inconsistency in the minor league uh, bat a ball data that leads infield fly ball rate to be um, inflated compared to where it is on the major league level. He might have some bad bit problems because it does look like he's going to have a double digit infield fly ball rate, but it's not as bad as it looks. Um, I still think he's going to be about a 270 hitter with 25 homers as soon as this year. Yeah, he, he can rake. Yeah. Okay. Starlin Castro 20th, 239.82. Uh, another guy we discussed during our off season rundown. Where he will play, Miami or elsewhere, is still up in the air. So give me your thoughts on Castro. Can he hit 20 homers outside of Yankee Stadium? Uh, yeah, I think he can, but he's not going to go that much over uh, 20 home runs. In fact, I have him projected for exactly 20 on the nail, uh, just a couple of, you know, under a handful of steals and a healthy average. He is what he is at this point. I think, you know, we all thought he'd be this turned out to be this really great hitter from his early years at the Cubs, but he just didn't progress that much. Uh, even last year at Yankee Stadium, he still only paced out for probably 23 home runs. Uh, so in Miami, that probably should go down a bit, but not by much. He's got good power, um, and he's just kind of a boring vanilla player at this point. Uh, I'm passing and taking a shot on somebody with more upside. 
Yeah, I'm taking the under, and I want no part of Storm Casho. Too boring for me. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that he's going to hit over 20. Um, he had a few Yankee Stadium cheapies, and a couple of his other homers came in Rogers Center and Camden Yards, uh, which are notorious hitter sparks. I think he's more of a 15-homer guy. 21st at the position, Cesar Hernandez, 245.52. He is the presumptive Phillies leadoff hitter and turned into another solid year. But it still feels like we're left wanting more from Hernandez. Could this be his breakout year, or do you think he is what he is? Uh, I really, really like this player. We were, we both loved him last year, correct, Pat? Yep. Yeah. I, I still I, like him. I still yeah, like I still – I still like him as well. I still like him as well. I think that um, uh, first of all, before I go any further, my projections for him for, for him this year are twelve home runs, twenty steals, two eighty five average. So it's not spectacular, but that's a very very good return at this point. And he's to me, he's like the perfect bench guy to keep on your bench because he'll fill in. He very rarely goes hitless. He gets on base a lot. He walks. He makes great contact. Uh, I think there is some more power in his profile. I think there is definitely more speed in his profile, uh, as uh, which will which are better than what is shown in years past. Um, and I think the Phillies have a sneaky good lineup, a sneaky good team altogether. And I, I really love Caesar. I'm taking him. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for me, there's there's actually a lot of upside here, and he can be. DJ LeMahieu, but 100 picks later, because now he's going to be hitting in front of Santana and Hoskins. Um, coupled with the great on-base skills and the strong average, he can approach 100 runs on the dirt cheap. And so we're essentially looking at DJ LeMahieu. So I really like Hernandez here. Pat, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know if we're going to get a true breakout. But with a full season of playing time, I could see 10 homers in or around there, a little more than 20 steals and nearly 100 runs. He's got really good play discipline. He's been a plus average guy. And he's the rare light power guy who's also going to get OBP um, because he walks. He got much better around the base paths last year. He was 15 for 20 and 9 for 11 in, in the second half which is over the course of 273 at-bats. His StatCast sprint speed score places him in the top 40. Peraza, for reference, who stole more bases last year, was 89th. So he's got the wheels to steal more. The park is going to allow his limited power to play up and make his fly balls count. And the lineup is better. He's going to have Hoskins for a full year. They just signed Santana. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely on board. I think that there's another level for this guy without him doing much more than just playing in more games. Okay, 22nd, Jason Kipnis, 257.78, outfield eligible in 10-game started formats. Kipnis might be inconsistent, but is this the Chris Davis of second base? Huge upside at a, down, at a downside price. What do you think of a round 20, 21 turn of Cesar Hernandez and Jason Kipnis as your second base investment. Yeah, this is this is a great pick here. This is a great guy to take a shot on because if he does play, he's going to produce. That's that's just it. If he stays healthy, he's going to produce. Um, did he have? He didn't have outfield eligibility last year, right? Nope. 
All right, so you know he might start the year off this year in left field. He might gain that eligibility. That's also a plus. Um, I think they've and, come out and said they intend to play him in second. Oh, they did. Yep. Okay. Well, regardless, it's it's still it's it's a fantastic pick here if he's healthy. If he's not, they could just very well turn in last year's numbers, which is which is nothing. But even last year, if you paste the stats out, he played yeah. 90 games. He, he hit 12 home runs. It's still paced out for almost 20 home runs, uh, double-digit steals, and he's not a 232 hitter. 232 hitter. That's that's gonna come up. So uh, everything is still there. Steam's got it projected for 16, 10, 260. Uh, I'm not too far from that. I'm around 19, 12, 270. So a good return here. And again, second base. It's just this position is so deep. Yeah, the, the only thing I'd add is that I think Kinsler is actually the Chris Davis, not Kipnis. Okay. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, with Kipnis, I mean, and we have the reason why he was bad last year. He was hurt. He had a shoulder problem. He had it during spring training. It shows all over his data. Um, the BABIP was nearly 70 points below his career average. Um, his hard contact rate dropped 5%. Soft contact rate rose 9%. And even with all those problems, like you said, Nick, uh, he was 12 and 6 over the course of 90 games. So that's 2010 right there. And then if you give him the BABIP that he's owed, you're up around 2012, 275, and in the middle or at the top of a very good lineup, he's golden. So, yeah, this is a complete steal. And I would love him and Hernandez together because then you get the young guy with uh, a safe floor, but still some upside. And then you get Kipnis who has been, you know, a top 75 player before um, who just needs a return to health. So I, I think that that illustrates that you can wait on this position and cash very easily. Okay, 23, Jan Jervis Solarte, 281.76, traded to Toronto and seemingly without an everyday job. With third base and second base, with third base and shortstop among his positions, is this simply a versatility buy or is there some upside? Yeah, I, I, first of all, I don't think he finds a path to playing time this year at all. And even if he does, what is he going to do? He's extremely boring. Uh, he may get you 20 home runs, but that would be a career high. So that's a big maybe. Uh, he does have the the pop if he gets the at-bats, but uh, let's just say he gets 130 uh, games and 520 plate appearances. It's still just right around 20 home runs, virtually no steals, and a mediocre, uh, mediocre to under-mediocre batting average. So stay away. Yeah, this ADP was before he got traded, um, but still, even before he got traded, I'm not sure what this pick is. The home run rate increased last year, but he still pulls a ton of ground balls. He doesn't pull enough of the fly balls, and his uh, X-stats X home runs, based on his uh, exit velocity, were only 13, so he overperformed. Um, yeah, I, I don't really get this, and I want no part of Solarte. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is a little overpriced as far as, you know, the position goes. To the extent somebody can be overpriced at 281, uh, he is. Josh Harrison, 286, 
uh, in terms of ADP 24th at the position. Harrison also has third base eligibility in, in all formats and outfield in five games started formats. He found a little power to go with the speed and batting average. Do you think the power sticks? Is 15-15 in homer steals plus a 280 average a best case, or is there upside beyond that? Yeah, I think it sticks. And like, who would take Solarte over Josh Harrison? <laughs> like, like, why would you do that? I don't even understand how the CD Mama is Solarte. It makes no sense. Um, yeah, I, listen, I, I like Harrison at this point. And you, you, you're 15 15. Uh, that, that's exactly what I haven't projected for 15 15, 277. That's a, that's a pretty damn good return at this point. Um, that's an Ian Kinsler circa 2014 esque season. Uh, so I like him, and he's got eligibility in other positions. It's a plus. Um, I think Bell's going to take a step in the right direction. You have a sneaky good offense. McCutcheon made a comeback. Marte's healthy. Uh, the counting stats might be there. I, I like him. Yeah, I think he's just like waiver wire fodder. Um, he's a good stopgap if uh, your second baseman gets hurt. But I don't really think he's much more than that. And I think drafting here um, – there are a couple of guys that we, we might talk about after this that I draft ahead of him just based on upside. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that he's gonna go 15, 15, 280. I kind of look at that as a best case. But I think this is a player where his floor is very close to his ceiling. So I feel more comfortable at like 12, 12, 270. Um, and I think it's useful because I think he'll hit near the top of the lineup. Um, he's a decent bench piece because he's got the multi-eligibility. He's got a little bit of speed, which is so scarce. But if you're looking for upside, he's not the guy. All right, this is going to be our last guy in terms of uh, order. It's 25, Scott Kingery, 307.9. Kingery is a prospect loaded with category juice, but he seems blocked at the big league level with Cesar Hernandez and Michael Franco in town. Do you think he forces his way to the bigs, or does he need a trade to occur? Is he among the prospects that 12 teams, standard mixed leaguers, should consider as a stash? Yeah, I think he's definitely a, a guy to stash or a wait and see. Uh, he's only coming up if there's an injury or he gets traded. But if he does come up, he's going to he's gonna produce. Um, he hit for really good average in the minors. He's got power, speed. Uh, he's an intriguing player, but it's just, I don't know if the playing time is there this year. Uh, if you're in a dynasty league, definitely, of course, he's got to be owned already. But uh, in a standard league, I think I would probably take the wait-and-see approach. Yeah, I think his path to playing time is only Franco. Um, I don't think Hernandez is going anywhere. And he's worth the stash, as you never know if an injury or trade could strike. Um, and he could be a really cheap source of steals. He's got popper problems and doesn't walk so much. So I'm, I don't really think the Phillies are going to be too quick to call him up. Um, but like we just talked about Josh Harrison, I think there's upside here. So I'd rather take the upside play than someone like Harrison. Yeah, I, I, to me, the profile kind of looks like Will Myers. Um, I, I don't think he's got Will Myers' overall power, but I think he's got a little more speed. He looks like a 2020 guy. Um, with about uh, upside of probably about 275 in terms of batting average with a true talent of about 255. He doesn't quite have Myers' patience at the plate, but he could develop it. 
Um, I don't mind him as the guy that you choose to stash, but as Joey said, I don't see a path really other than Franco or a trade of Hernandez. Uh, both are possible, but um, I, I think Franco is going to bounce back this year, and I think the Phillies are going to be a bit better than we expect or, or than most people expect. So I'm not sure that it's going to happen for Kingery. Um, okay, uh, let's talk about a couple of guys outside the top 25. Uh, let me kick it off by just telling people, uh, for those that didn't hear it, uh, I did a solo show, an all-sleeper team, uh, which is available on the Fantasy World Order feed, uh, in which I talked at length about Neil Walker. If anybody else has anything to add on Neil Walker, I'll welcome it now. Do you guys have anything to say about Walker? Do you think he's a value? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've always been a fan. We've always been Walker guys since way back when. He's just a, He's been super consistent, and uh, the power is there. And we just haven't seen it over the course of an entire season. So I just hope to see him play 150-plus games because then we could finally see a 25-plus home run season. Yeah, I, come at a healthy, healthy batting average. Yeah, I agree. I agree with both of you guys. Uh, the healthy batting average and on-base percentage, and the home run upside—you can't get that anywhere else at this price. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. Okay, all right. I'm gonna mention the. I'm gonna bring up my first guy. Um, well, my my only guy because we're only gonna talk about one, but it's uh, Raul Mondesi, who's going 29th at the position, 357.6. Um, he's a strange player. He, he's got some power. He had 14 homers last year in 417 plate appearances. Most of them came at AAA. He's got loads of speed, 26 stolen bases. Again, mostly at AAA. No patience, a 3% walk rate, no contact, an 18% swinging strike rate, a 63% contact rate, and a 36% key rate at the major league level. Now, the contact profile is dangerous, but the category juice is very intriguing. He's extremely young, 22, um, and he's likely going to receive plenty of playing time on the Royals given that they're going to rebuild. The question is going to be, can he make the adjustments? Um, the minor league history suggests that he initially struggles when he hits a new level and then sort of levels out the manageable strikeout rate. I find Steamer's projection very interesting. It's 13 homers, 26 steals, um, 239 average. Now, it doesn't take a giant leap for that to become 15, 30, 250. Um, it just takes a giant jump in his skills to date. Um, I don't think we're going to see some kind of major breakthrough because I just simply think that there's too much that has to occur and go right for him. But as the last pick in your draft, there are worse things than there are worse players than you can take than a player who could go 15, 30, 250 with eligibility at second base and shortstop. Yeah, I mean, how could you not like the player? I mean, uh, this guy's been talked about for a couple of years now. And when you watch tape of him, you could just, it's another guy, you just see the talent. He's just all around, just a ridiculously good player. And I, I mentioned Keon Broxton before earlier in the same breath as him, but like you said, Keon Broxton is able to take a walk, but uh, they were both intriguing for the same reasons. It's the power speed combo. Um, but the problem was 
the same, the K rate. And if he's able to keep it under 30, then I think that's the magic number. Then we could see a real breakout year from him. And uh, I do think he will bat better than 239. I have him projected for 245. And if he does bat 245, then he's going to be a pretty damn good player and give you a good return. So I'm definitely with this uh, with this sleeper. Yeah, I had my issues with Brett or uh, Billy Hamilton uh, not being able to hit when he was being drafted uh, very, very high his first few years. Um, so I'd echo those sentiments with Mondesi. I think the strikeout rate is just so high, and he's done it. He's done it for so long in his career. Um, even with the improvements, like you, you mentioned, Pat, um, as he as he jumped levels, uh, I just I, I just have a real hard time liking him. Well, let me just counter you very quickly before we move to the next player, and point out the fact that Billy Hamilton never had the sort of power that Raul Montesi is projected for. That's fair. Okay, let's move to your player, Joe. Yeah, so uh, I want to talk about Brad Miller, our friend. He's a friend. Oh, of Bradley. The, he's a friend of this podcast. So, Hi, Bradley. Yeah, so after breaking out in 2016 with 30 home runs um, and a respectable 243 average, he tanked last year. He hit nine home runs, only a handful of stolen bases, and the average just fell off the face of the earth. He batted 201. Um so I think there's a lot, definitely a, a batting average bounce back potential. I mean, his bat pip was 265, and it's not like he puts, uh, he puts, he pops up a ton. I mean, he popped up six percent. He's a career at 9.8 percent. So his his bat bat pip should serve him better. Um, he also doesn't strike out an astronomical amount. I mean, last year it was 27 percent, but he was hurt, um, and I think that's important. Just just um. Just in November, he had a uh, he had a core muscle surgery, and um, I think that hurt his uh, his biggest thing was his pull percentage. Um, he pulled the ball ten percent less than he did in 2016, and that's where all that power went. That pretty much sapped his power. Um, I think he could climb back up to around 20 home runs or so if he in full playing time, which I think he'll get. Um, and I think his his batting average should bounce back. I don't I don't think he'll ever be a 300 hitter, but I think at 240 or 250 and 20 home runs, um, he can still provide you some assets here. Where we're talking about a lot of speedy guys or guys that really just don't give you anything. The king of O swing. That's Matt Joyce. No, that was Matt Joyce. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Joe, I, I agree. I actually think that he can get up to mid-20s power. And I also think that he's capable of stealing high single-digit bases. Uh, the average isn't going to be great, but 255, 25, 9 in terms of steals. Um, uh, I'm on board with that. Uh, all right. My sleeper is Jose Perella, who uh, some people are starting to get on. I see him climbing up ADP rankings. Hopefully yeah, not too I'm kinda, high. I'm kind of on him now. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't get too high. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really, I really, really like this guy, like big time. I'm all over him. Um, the path to playing time is there. He's gonna get probably you know 600 or more at bats. Uh, the path to batting leadoff on this team is there, or you know at the top of that lineup. Um, 
and I watch this guy play, and I am extremely, extremely attracted, extremely attracted to this guy late in draft as my last round pick or uh, a waiver wire pickup right after the draft. Uh, there's a lot of power potential. There's a lot of speed potential, and the average is going to be pretty healthy. He doesn't strike out much. He walks a bunch, um, and the stats might not say it on – you know, for last year with just four steals in 344 plate appearances and then the year before and the year before that in the minors. But watch him play. The guy is lightning fast, and he knows how to steal a base. So uh, with the with a good amount of plate appearances, I have his projections this year for 2020-270. 2020-270. That's right. For Jose Perella, whose ADP is like, what, 9,000? I was about to say a thousand. <laughs> yeah, take a shot on this guy. You're not going to regret it. Yeah, this is actually a true sleeper. In the in the days of sleepers getting murkier and murkier uh, names, uh, this is actually a true sleeper, right? This is a guy that most people haven't really heard of, especially people that are like kind of in and out of baseball, not really focused on baseball all year round, like kind of we are. Um, I I I agree with you, Nick. Uh, you shed some light on us today. Uh, about his exit velocity and his average, uh, his home run distance. Th- they're they're both really nice and and support, you know, mid teens to to close to twenty home runs. I think he can get there too. Um, the speed is there. I, I, I'm kind of with you at this price. It's crazy, and this is really this honestly is a true sleeper. Yeah, I mean, we've mentioned the stats ga- the stat cast sprint score a couple of times tonight. He has uh, a score that is, I believe, in the top 40, which is very good. He's surrounded by other 20-steal players. Um, He may not have the instincts to run um, on the bases, but I I think he's a worthwhile shot to take. Um, And and I upped his projection to um, 21 homers, 13 steals myself today with about a 270 average. And there are certainly at-bats to be had in San Diego. So I, I applaud Nick. I think it was a great find. Yeah, and you know what? Just I just want to let you guys know, I was actually going to throw out, uh, talking about Nate Orff as my other sleeper, but I, I didn't even I didn't even want to bring it up because you wouldn't let me. But yeah, Nate Orff, another guy to keep your eyes on, guys. Okay. Super deep. Nate Orff. Yeah. All right, so that's going to wrap us up for tonight. Um, all right, you can find me on Twitter at Patrick FWO. Nick, where can they find you? Nick FWO. And Joe? Joe FWO. Oh, nice and simple, we're, people. Yeah, we're all very original. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us up, man. Ask us questions. Yeah, and um, just as a reminder, once again, we are uh, – shutting down the fantasy world order stream after next week's show. We will be exclusive to fan tracks radio, which is available as far as I know on all major podcast platforms. Uh, Please give us a download and a rate and review. We would greatly appreciate it. And we will be back next week with third base, which is also a very fun position. So thanks a bunch for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Check you later.